Um, last week, uh, we began a, a new series entitled The Colors of Christmas. And so we started out by singing the song Silver Bells. Silver Bells. Silver, the Silver Bells reminding uh, or we're talking about the bells that the Salvation Army guys rang, the, the Santa Claus's ring. And uh, my son, I was telling him about this l- last week, and I was telling him about Silver Bells and where the song came from and some of the stuff I shared with you and about the Salvation Army guys. And I said, Randy, you know the guys that dress up like Sam- Santa Claus and they ring the bells and people give money in the red buckets at the mall? And he goes, no, Dad, I don't know what you're talking about. He's eight now. And so I said, come on, R- Randy, you've seen him at the mall. He goes, no. I guess I'm going to have to go to the mall with mom and figure out what you're talking about. He said, but after I figure it out, the rest of the day is going to be miserable. <laughs> uh, he, as you can tell, he loves going to the mall. Uh, but in, the, in that song, it says, in the air, there's a feeling of Christmas. The feeling of Christmas is generosity. The problem is the world thinks that it's because uh, of uh, silver bells ringing or because it's Santa's big day, but it's not Santa's big day. It's Jesus' big day, and we are generous because God has been so generous to us. And, uh, and, and so that's what we talked about last week. Now, today, we're going to go a little bit different direction. And guys, you can actually come, uh, I don't know where, uh, Ronnie, if you'll help me right here, Pastor Ronnie, just set it right there. We're going to go a little bit different direction with today's sermon, but I really want to speak to the hearts of people. If you're watching online, uh, at home. I want to thank you for being a part of us today. And maybe you didn't get out because of the rain, or maybe you live in another city, maybe you're at work today, maybe you're in the hospital, wherever you are. I believe I have a message of hope for you today. So I want you to stay connected, stay tapped in to what we're doing. Uh, if, you're, if you're a guest with us today, thank you for being with us. In the seat back pocket in front of you, there is a card that says welcome on the top of you. Can't miss it. It's a big blue card that says welcome in white letters. Um, and it'll tell you a little bit of information about Triumph, who we are, what we are, maybe answer some of your questions. On the right side, there's a card that says connection card. If you would be so kind as to fill it out, drop it in the offering plate at the end of the sermon. I would greatly, greatly appreciate that. You know what, Triumph, why don't we take a moment and welcome all of our guests. So we have a very special guest coming to sing our song as we kick off our message today. Um, do you guys know if he's ready? Is our special guest ready? I want you to welcome with me Mr. Elvis Presley as he sings Blue Christmas. How are we doing everybody? I just want to say this is all Pastor Randon's idea. I'm going to need you to put your doggone cameras in your pocket. What happens at Triumph stays. Mm, since my baby left me, I had a new place to dwell. It's down at the end of Lonely Street. It's Heartbreak Hotel. Uh, I feel so lonely, baby. I feel so lonely, baby. I feel so lonely, I could die. The song you were looking for, Pastor Randy. Was that a Christian song? Give me an E. Christian song, Christmas song. Wise men say only fools rush in, 
but I can't help falling in love with you, but I can't help falling in love with you. Is that a Christmas song? No. I have a blue. That's the one. Christmas. Come on, put your hands together, white people. Without you. Here we go. I'll be so blue. Just thinking about you. Decorations of red. On a green Christmas tree, and they won't be the same if you're not here with me. And when those blue snowflakes start falling, that's when those blue. The thing is, the whole point of what we're doing here is for what happens at Triumph not to stay at Triumph. So I encourage you to share everything that happens here with the world. Uh, Pastor Ron, if you can help me real fast. What a dog. <laughs> Did y'all enjoy that? Thank you, Pastor Chris, for entertaining us today. <clears throat> Last week we talked about silver. Today I want to talk about the color blue. In this, in this uh, song, we learn a couple of things as Elvis sings, and he actually wasn't the first to record it. Truthfully, in one year, three people recorded it and topped the charts in their different genre all at one time. Uh, but of course, it was made famous uh, to most of us by Elvis. And um, Three things we learned. Number one, he's upset because he lost his love. And Number two, he's upset because those sad memories keep calling. Number three, he's upset because while she's happy, he's sad. Christmas is supposed to be a happy and a joyous occasion. And for so many it is, but for others, it's not happy at all. It's a sad time. For some, Christmas is white, but for many, Christmas is more blue. Christmas, you see, can remind us of all the wonderful things that we have in life. But it can also remind us of all the things that we don't have. It can remind us of all of the good things, but it can also remind us of all the mistakes that we've made and the problems that we have. Christmas can be happy on the one hand and terribly sad on the other. 
whether it be the loss of a loved one, the pain of a divorce, the loneliness of waking up with our kids in someone else's home on Christmas morning, the disappointment we feel because we can't afford the gifts we wanted or that others are giving to their family. It's the depression we feel because we don't have anyone to spend the holidays with. Maybe you're sad because sickness or disease or pain won't allow you to enjoy the holidays like you want to. For some, joy seems impossible, happiness seems beyond our grasp, and peace seems unattainable. Maybe you have the Christmas blues. Sure, we paste on a smile, and we say all the right things, and we act like everything's okay, and we wave, and we say Merry Christmas to those around us, but internally, we're hurting, we're sad, and we're blue. I want to give you some hope today. When we look at the first Christmas with Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus, we, if, you, if you step back and you look at the story, you will realize that there is an opportunity here on multiple fronts for Mary and Joseph to be down and to be sad. When we read the story, we read it as happy because God sent a Savior to the world. But if you were walking it and if you pay close enough attention, you will realize that just like you and I, they had an opportunity to be down, but they chose not to be. Let's read in Luke chapter 2, verse 1. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius, Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. Father, I thank you for your presence that's here today. Lord, I'm asking you to speak through me to encourage people today, to encourage our hearts, to give us hope, to turn blue Christmases into times of joy and happiness, to turn frowns into smiles. Encourage us today through your Holy Spirit and through the power of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The first thing that they had the opportunity to be sad about was Mary and Joseph had the opportunity to have the financial blues. I want you to think about it. Do you remember when you had your first child? If you were like me, I had mine way too early, kind of like Mary and Joseph. And I could barely pay, make, make enough money to pay my rent. At, at that point in time, one entire paycheck went to rent, which was very cheap. Uh, the, the, I lived very cheap at that time. The next paycheck, the entire paycheck, went to pay Lindsay's car insurance. She had had so many accidents that we had to buy insurance through the state of Texas, and all we could get was liability, and it cost me an entire paycheck. To make matters worse, she totaled her car three months after we got married, and all we had was liability. We couldn't fix it. So now she had to drive my truck everywhere. It was bad. She only wrecked it three or four times. It was okay, though. 
I sure love her. Um, she, she sure is pretty, though. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, <laughs> Man, having a baby is expensive, especially when you're not financially prepared. If it catches you off guard and you're already early on in your life and you're at a time when you're probably making as little of money as you'll ever make. And yet your bills are expensive and, and having a baby is expensive. And then Caesar says, we're going to register everyone. And not only are we going to have to register everyone, but you're going to have to travel to the city in which you were born, and you're going to have to register there. And how many of you know travel can get expensive? It costs money. And okay, they weren't driving a fancy car, and they weren't staying in fancy hotels, but they still had to have food, and they had to have supplies, and they weren't making money while they were away. Joseph was a carpenter. And he's not making money while he's traveling to Bethlehem. And so it was an expensive time in his life. The third thing was this. The reason that they were calling for a census, the reason they were forcing everyone to register, was because they wanted to raise taxes. So not only do you have to pay to go register, but once you pay to go register and spend all the money you have to to get there, then they're going to charge you just for registering. They had the opportunity here to be down and upset about finances. The thing about Christmas is it's a fun time. It's a wonderful time. We love giving Christmas presents. Raise your hand if you love giving gifts to your family and to your kids and you love it. We love it, right? But, but raise your hand now if you understand the financial pressure of paying for all those gifts. Like, yes, I want to give you everything. My son's like, Dad, I want a PS4. I want a TV. I want catcher's equipment. I want a new bat. I want, an, I want a pistol. I want, I'm like, son, like, no. To all, just all the above, no. I'm like, I'll get you a water gun. How about that? Dollar store special. But the, the pressure that goes into it. Traveling. I, Lindsay and I will be traveling Christmas morning to go see her family in Waxahachie. And I got to tell you, they're not going to just let me pull up at Bucky's in Madisonville. Hallelujah. They're not going to let me just pull up and pump gas and wave and say, Merry Christmas. I've got to pay for that gas. I've got to pay for that food. I've got to pay to travel. It's going to cost me money. Uh, and, and then, you know, doesn't it? Have you ever noticed? That the enemy, he just messes with you. So right at Christmas time when you're trying to buy gifts and you're trying to pay for all this stuff and you're paying for extra food because everybody's coming to your house and so you're, you're buying all this food and you're trying to do everything right, he'll hit you with unexpected things as well. You, you get an unexpected doctor's bill. You were, you were rushing and you, and, you were, and you was traffic right up here by the mall, and you were the last one through the red light, and the, and the police officer saw you, pulled you over, gave you a ticket for running the red light, and you were like, man, I just couldn't wait 30 more minutes. Unexpected things come up. There, there's, for most people in this room, at Christmas, we have the opportunity to face the reality of the money we don't make. Of the pressure it is. We want to buy everything. And we have the pressure to keep up with the Joneses. Because they gave their kids this. And they gave, gave their kids that. On a, on a fairly regular basis, I ask people around me, you know, about how much do you spend on your kids? Because I want to know if I'm doing a good job or a bad job. And we feel this pressure to spend. And you know what? Between Black Friday and Cyber Monday in this country alone, we spent over $60 billion dollars. Most of us didn't have it. Most of it's sitting on a Visa credit card somewhere. 
Discover Card, MasterCard, American Express. We're spending money we don't have because we feel this pressure. And you know what? That bill will come due. Mary and Joseph had the opportunity to be down because of the money they were having to spend unexpectedly. And instead of being at home and enjoying their new baby and enjoying all of the, the, the first Christmas, they were having to travel and spend money they didn't have. They had an opportunity. But here's what I want to speak over you today. Can I just speak a word over you today? Number one, I want to relieve you of the burden and the pressure to do what everyone else around you does, to give the gifts they give. You don't have to give what you don't have. There is pre every commercial you see on TV. Don't let your kids watch TV for the next month. Don't let them turn on Nickelodeon. Don't turn, turn on to, all, Nick, all those, whatever those channels are. Don't let them turn on because everything, they, it's pressure to buy something. Every time you watch TV, when you see a commercial, we're gonna, they're running specials. Listen, if they sell you a $100 item for $50, it's a great deal, but if you don't have $50, it's still not good for you to buy it. Can I just say, can I just, can I just speak a word of you to release the pressure to, to spend? And secondly, I want to declare no unexpected expenses in your life this Christmas. No unexpected expenses. expenses. The second burden that they had the opportunity to face uh, was the physical blues, the physical blues. Now I want you to, again, put this in perspective. Mary is nine months pregnant. You know, the idea of, of having a baby in nine months, it's really not true. 40 weeks turns out to be like 10 months, it feels like to me. Ladies, doesn't it feel like you were pregnant for like an eternity? Men, doesn't it feel like it was never going to end? Don't answer that. And then here's Mary, nine months pregnant, and she has to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Now, the distance between Nazareth to Bethlehem was 80 to, can y'all hear me? I can't hear myself. <laughs> Lord Jesus, stop the rain for a minute. It was about 80 to 100 miles, okay? So imagine the distance from about here to Houston. Not a big deal when you're driving in your nice car, the air conditioner's blowing, you've got the radio turned up, you're talking to your spouse and you're enjoying your time, but when you are walking down dirt, rocky roads, or riding a donkey and you're nine months pregnant, this does not sound fun. This does not sound enjoyable. You know, in, in our lives, there, there are people that today want to enjoy the holidays. They wanted to be here today. They want to go to Christmas parties. But maybe they're battling cancer right now and they can't enjoy it. Maybe they're racked in pain for some reason and they can't get up out of the chair. They can't go wrap the presents. They can't go shopping. And so they can't enjoy Christmas. Maybe there's sickness or disease in their life. Maybe you're in this room today and you're battling physical ailments every day, and it robs us of the joy of Christmas. I, I want to declare a, a word over you today that even though it seems like you're too sick to get out of bed and the disease has left you in the hospital and the pain is so strong that you can't enjoy, I declare today that God is going to give you a season of healing in your life. That whatever's going on, He's going to give you strength and He's going to stop the pain today. 
If you know someone in your life, maybe they're not here today and they're struggling, I want to challenge you to go see them today or tomorrow or as quickly as you can get there. And I want you to lay hands on them for me. And I want you to pray that God would give them peace in their body, that he would give them strength, that he would remove the pain and give them the ability to enjoy this Christmas season. Do you know somebody who could use that kind of help? Nod your head at me if you do. I know, I know several. And, I, and, and, I, and I'm going to lead you in this. And I'm going to make it a point to go out of my way in the next few days to go and to lay my hands on them and to pray the, the prayer of faith over their life. You know what? I believe if you will do that, I believe you're about to see miracles happen in your, in, in, right when you start praying for people. You say, well, Pastor Ryan, I've prayed for people. Nothing's ever happened. I'm telling you right now, I'm, I'm, I'm challenging you to take this. This is what I felt in my spirit even this morning. You go pray for somebody. You watch how God turns their Christmas around, and he's going to use you to do it. He's going to use you to do it. Do you have the physical blues in your life? I declare in the name of Jesus, healing in your body healing in your body. Number three. Number three is um, they have the opportunity for emotional blues. Luke chapter 1 verse 29 as the angel is talking to Mary, she, it says that she was greatly troubled. She was greatly troubled. The angel steps in and you, you got to put this in perspective again. Essentially no one had heard from God in 400 years. It's not like you and I where we can hear from God on a regular basis where God is speaking. There was a 400 years of silence. And suddenly Mary, 12, 13 years old, maybe 14 at the latest, she's standing there and an angel steps into her room and says, Good morning, Mary. How are you today? Greatly troubled, thank you. He says, You're going to have a son. And he's going to be the son of God. And his name will be called Jesus. Now, at first, this seems like, oh, man, that's a wonderful thing. But, you know, um, she's 12 or 14 years old. My daughter's 11. I don't, I don't want to walk through the experience with her next year walking to me in my room at 12 years old and saying, an angel came and visited me this morning, Dad. And I'm going to be pregnant with the son of God. Oh, no, you're not. <laughs> Put it into perspective. Well, how do we know she was 12 to 14 years old? Because that's what age they got married in that, in that day. Here's something for you to understand when you're reading the Bible. Um, remember that the writers of the New Testament and the Old Testament, they were writing to people in their culture. So there are certain things that when they said them, they just understood you to know them. For instance, if I say to you, I called my father this week, what does that mean? When I say the word, I called my father, what does that mean? It's not a trick question. I picked up the phone and I called my father. But when you read in Judges about the sixth chapter, when it says that they called, a, a per, when they called Barak or, or Baruch, does it mean they picked up a phone? No, it means that the king sent a messenger and called them to him, right? And so that's the way the Bible functions. There are certain things that are supposed to be just understood. So when we read that Mary was a young girl betrothed to be married, we understand that the earliest age that uh, by law a girl could get married was 12. For boys it was 13. And so if we understand that most girls got married between the age of 12 and 14, Mary was betrothed but not quite married yet, means that she was 12, 13 years old at the latest, 14. This is a young girl. And suddenly, she's going to be the mother of the Son of God. 
I, you know what I think when I ask this? I remember back to myself at, at 21 years old when I had Kennedy having no clue what I was doing. Not at all. Uh, like, like none. Uh, I remember when they came in, they said to me, do you want to change the first diaper? And I was like, no, I don't want to change any diapers. What are you talking about? And my, and my dad's like, I'll do it. <laughs> my dad's like the, the, he like loves being a grandparent, right? He's like, I'm in. And I'm like, I'm out. So anyway, why didn't they go? Why didn't the angel, why didn't God choose somebody that had like five kids? Remember we had one kid, everything you were worried about? Like, you remember, you remember the first time the baby like rolled off the bed? You're like, oh my gosh. I killed the baby. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think Mary did the first time that, that Jesus rolled off the bed? Oh, God! Get it? Like, literally? <laughs> Come on now. Y'all got to stay with me this morning. I'm, I'm working hard for my money today. And yeah, like, like, let me ask you, do you whip the Son of God? I talked back to my mama one time. I mean, I mean, it was bad. I, I mean, I was about eight, 16, 17, 18, somewhere. I talked back to my mama. She just tried to slap me right across the face. The first time I caught her hand, I didn't know what was going on, right? And then this, she said, no, I, if I'm going to whip you, I will whip you. So she, did, so she swung at me again, and she missed. Cracked me on the back of the head. I'm like, my face is right here, Mom. That didn't go so well. But anyway, do, 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 if, if the Son of God backs talks to you, do you, do you slap him? I don't know. What do, you, what do you do? Here's Mary. She's never raised a kid, but she's still a kid. We didn't get, you, you know, first kid, lose your mind over there. By like the third kid, people are like, you know, so what that the pacifier fell in the toilet. Just, just you know, wipe it off and give it back to them, you know. Like you, you understand some things, you know, like the, the baby's not going to die. It's going to be okay. But no, not, not Mary. She's 12 or 13, and her first crack at this whole motherhood thing is with the Son of God. Talk about pressure. Talk about stress. Talk about emotions. Now, not only that, here's Mary, who has done her best to live a pure life, who now has to go explain to her fiance, her parents, everyone she knows, I didn't do anything wrong, but I'm pregnant with the Son of God. And she had to live every day of her life with people thinking she was a liar, people thinking that she was uh, uh, running around on her husband. This is how she had to live. Now I want you to put yourself in the emotional state of that young girl. Consider Joseph. What does he do now? The Bible says that he was a righteous man, an upright man. He lived according to the law of Moses, every single line. He did it all like he was supposed to do. He's handled his business correctly. He's, he's learned a trade. He's building a business. He finds a great girl. The entire town is happy for them and excited for them. They all know Joseph and they all know Mary. Imagine, Na Nazareth wasn't probably much larger than the size of, of Triumph Church. And, and we all know so much about people. And when I said to you, Thyra Simon graduated. You were so excited. When I said Megan Fontenot graduated, many of us knew exactly who she was and we were excited for her. And, and so here's Mary and Joseph and the whole town knows him. That's Joseph the carpenter. He's a good kid. And he's marrying, he's getting married to Mary and she's a wonderful young girl. And we're so excited and all of a sudden now they have to walk around trying to explain to people that this is the Son of God. You know, we can go through times in our life where the emotional stress is so great 
Maybe it's things that we've done or maybe it's things that we haven't done. But the strain and the stress, trying to be perfect for everybody. You know, ladies, when you have everybody over at your house and everything's got to be perfect. It's got to be decorated just right, and it's got to be cleaned just right, and the food's got to be cooked just perfectly, and you can't use paper plates. You've got to get out the good dishes, and everything has to be, and, this, and the stresses and the emotions that can go along with our life that can cause us to lose the joy. It can rob us of the joy of Christmas and turn our Christmas blue rather than happy. I don't know what emotional things you're going through. Maybe you're depressed because this year you lost a loved one and you're grieving and that, that the emotions of that are wearing on you. I don't know what it is in your life, but if you're in a place where Christmas is blue because of the emotions that are eating at you, and the pain that's going on, the, the worry, the stress, the anxiety, I want to declare right now that God is removing that burden from your life. He's giving you the mind of Christ. You're taking on his yoke, and it's easy, and his burden is light. Lay it at the feet of Jesus today. If you're struggling with depression in the room today, I declare that life and energy and joy would invade your mind and invade your heart today. If you're watching online, you say, Pastor Ryan, I, I wanted to be there today, but I couldn't even get out of bed because I'm so sad. I declare joy is invading your room today. In Jesus' name. Well, one more. I asked this question. I went back and read a couple of times uh, the story of, of Mary and Joseph. And of course, you've probably read the story of the first Christmas as well many times. <clears throat> Mary and Joseph travel to their hometown, they're about to have their first baby. Should be an exciting time. When, when Lindsay and I had our, our kids, we had grandparents there, we had aunts, we had uncles, we had friends, we had, I mean, we, we had a, a room full of people. We just, we just wanted people everywhere. They were just everywhere. Uh, the, some, of the, some of the wonderful ladies in our church, they, they brought me some of my favorite food for lunch, and Lindsay's in there like pushing, and I'm like eating La Supreme. It was amazing. We had all these people that loved us, and we brought that baby home, and people called us, and they sent us word, and they came by and saw us, and we were surrounded by the people in our lives that loved us so much. Let me ask you this question. Where were Jesus' grandparents at? Where was Mary's mom and dad? Think about any manger scene, that any nativity scene that you've seen anywhere, where were where were the grandparents? Where were Joseph's mom and dad? Where was that proud grandfather standing there saying, this is my first grandboy, and I don't know if he's the son of God or not, but I am sure proud to have him. Where was he? Where were their friends? Where were the aunts? Where were the uncles? They were nowhere to be seen. In fact, they traveled to Bethlehem, Joseph's hometown, where he was from, where he was born and raised. And when they get there, not only can they not find room at a hotel, they can't even find somebody that loves them enough to let them sleep on their couch. They were all alone. Can you relate? Do you have the relational blues? You know that you're going to wake up this Christmas morning and your wife is gone and your kids are going to 
be gathered around someone else's Christmas tree. Maybe your family lives in another city. Maybe your friends are all gone with their families and, and, and you know you're alone. The loneliness that can come upon us at Christmas in a time that should be happy and should be joyous can be very difficult. Do you have the relational blues in your life? But here's what's good about God. Mary and Joseph may not have had the family and the friends that they maybe wanted to, but he sent shepherds and he sent wise men. And God said, I'm not gonna leave you on your own, but I'm gonna send someone there to be with you in this joyous occasion. I wanna speak this word over your life today. If your holidays seem lonely, seem like everyone else is gone and looking other ways, I wanna declare that God's gonna send people into your life to bring a smile to your face and you won't have to be lonely, but he's gonna create opportunities. And when God creates unique opportunities, don't turn them away and say, no, I don't want to do that. You say, thank you, Jesus, and you walk through the door that God opens for you. If you're watching online and you're lonely, I declare that this will not be a lonely holiday for you, but God's going to send you great blessings and great relationships in your life. So the question is this. If Mary and Joseph had the opportunity to be sad in all these different ways, they, they, the, the financial pressure the physical pressure, the emotional pressure, the, 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 the relational pressure. They had all these opportunities to be sad. How did they avoid it? How did they avoid allowing their Christmas to become blue? Two ways. Number one, we see as Mary finds out about, about Jesus, she goes to her cousin's house, and the first thing that we see around Christmas is they created an atmosphere of praise and gratitude. Listen to the words of Mary in Luke chapter 1, verse 46. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of this servant... For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he is mighty, who has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Here's an opportunity. She's about to face difficult things. Emotional stress, physical stress, financial stress, relational stress. And yet, she's thanking God. Here's what he says in the Message Bible. I'm bursting with God news. I'm dancing the song of my Savior. She says... I'm the most fortunate woman on the earth. Mary decided I'm going to have, I'm going to create an atmosphere of gratitude, of giving thanks to God. Not worrying about what I don't have, but giving thanks for what God has done and what he is doing in me. The first thing that we have to do is we have to have an attitude, an atmosphere of praise and gratitude of God. If you want to avoid your Christmas being blue, create an atmosphere of praise and, glad and gratitude. I want to declare over you unexpected blessings this Christmas. Unexpected blessings this Christmas. Number two, we find this in Matthew chapter one. Joseph has determined that he's going to divorce Mary in private. He didn't want to embarrass her. He was a good man. He didn't want, but he didn't want to invoice, divorce her 
uh, publicly and embarrass her. He said, I'm going to do it in private. He has a dream from the angel, and here's what the angel says. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. From the beginning, Mary and Joseph got something right. They understood something. That no matter what happens in our life, no, what happen, no matter what happens in the next few years, our son is going to be named Emmanuel. This is, a, this is a name that reverts back to several prophecies from the book of Isaiah, but it goes all the way back to the Ark of the, the Covenant uh, and, and to, into those days in, in the law of Moses. And here's what Emmanuel means. It means God with us. How did Mary and Joseph make it through? From the beginning, they knew God is with us. They knew that God is for us. They knew that God was on our side. The angel said to Mary, with God, nothing is impossible, and God is with you. I want you to end here today, and I want you to receive a message of hope today that God is with you. Emmanuel has stepped into your life, and even though we may not have everything, we may not feel just right, and it may not look just right, but God is with you, and he's fighting for you, and when he is on your side, nothing is impossible. Can you you get that in your spirit today, that even though things may not be going right, and you're struggling here, and you're struggling there, and, and Christmas is looking more dark than bright, God said, I want you to know today that Emmanuel is stepping into your life. God is with you, and he's fighting for you, and he's not going to leave you alone. He's not going to leave you by yourself. He's not going to leave you where you are, but he's going to lift you up, and he's going to turn your situation around, because my God is with you. His name is Emmanuel. And right there in it, you just call it, Emmanuel, I need you in my life today. Emmanuel, I need you in my family today. Emmanuel, I need you to invade my home today. My, my kids are fighting and my, and my spouse is upset and nothing's going right and we've got all this unexpected things happening. Emmanuel, step into my life today. And he will. And he will. Our team is going to sing. And as they sing, I want you to worship with us, and I want you to get this in you. Emmanuel, God is with you, and when he is with you, nothing is impossible. Nothing's impossible with God. Nothing is impossible when he's on your side. No financial pressure is too great. No physical pain is too great. No, no relational pain is too much. God. He's with us. Who are we? You would be mindful of us. What do you see? It's worth looking our way. We are free in ways that we never should be. Sweet from the grip of these chains and like hinges straining from the weight my heart no longer can keep from singing all that is within me cries for you alone be glorified Emmanuel God with us God with us 
my morning song though darkness fills the night it cannot hide the light whom shall i fear you crush the enemy say you crush the enemy underneath your feet underneath you are my sword and shield for you today and then and we're going to open these altars for a moment uh, and, and just kind of continue in worship before our host comes but I want to say a prayer over you today I don't know if any of these connected with you I don't know if any of these uh, opportunities for sadness and down and, and, and opportunities to rob your joy connect with you 
But I want to declare over you that they will not get your holiday this year. They will not get your Christmas, but your Christmas will be happy and joyful. And God is stepping in and he's turning things around and he's fighting for you. And as impossible as you thought it was, when Emmanuel steps into your life, nothing is impossible. Lord, right now for every situation that's represented today, for every hand that's raised, for every heart that's hurting, for every mind that has been uh, attacked, Lord, I declare right now that you're stepping in and you're turning things around and sadness will not overtake us and nothing will rob our joy and nothing will rob our happiness, but God, you are stepping in and the Prince of Peace is turning it around and Emmanuel, God with us, is in our lives right now. Lord, lift us up, lift up our hope, lift up our countenance. Lord, let our faces shine. Let our voices be ones that are filled with praise and gratitude for you because you have done great things in our life. I declare it right now in the name of Jesus. Amen.